welcome to the podcast of Broadway Baptist Church in Lexington, Kentucky, and the preaching of Pastor Daniel Osmond, a biblical church centered on Christ. In your Bible this evening, we are opening up our Bibles to the book of 2 Corinthians. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at these verses here, verses 6 through 15. And you're going to get a blessing, I believe, out of tonight. And here's why. If you go to a funeral, you're going to unfortunately hear these verses read quite a bit. These verses I'm about to read are ones that you hear when people have passed away. So we're going to look at these verses here, and then later on we're going to flip over and look at 1 John chapter 5. And this is a sermon series, you know, um, this is the third part of a four-week sermon series on walking with God. Next Sunday night, that will be April 3rd, I'll be preaching on uh, the great um, uh, Hall of Fame, Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11 of all the different people who have walked with God throughout the Bible. God's plan for you and I, I believe, is that we're able to walk with Him, have a relationship with Him, have a presence with Him that's just a daily communion. It's something that we go about our day with a closeness from God. That is something that we have to be very purposeful and intentional in making happen. It won't, it won't occur just naturally. The natural man will not walk with God. He will He will drift away from the Lord. People who know the Lord are intentional about knowing God. And hopefully you all, as you age, as you grow up, you realize how you use your time, how you use your priorities certainly is a must here with walking with God. So we're going to read this scripture. New Testament book of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6. And as we go along, I'm going to stop and explain it. Because these are verses, unfortunately, they get read at funeral services. And there's so much more. It's not for the dead, it's for the living, these verses here. So this is not about dead people going to be with God. This is for us who are alive, who are ready to walk with God. So we always confident and know that while we are at home in the body... We are away from the Lord. So, understand what Paul's writing here. He's writing to this church in Corinth. And they are a church that are far from God. They are very wicked in their immorality, unfortunately. Paul started this church, and this was the church, unfortunately, it was a problem church. And the problem was immorality in the church in Corinth. So much of the book of 1 Corinthians, his first letter he wrote to them, just addressed all their different problems. They even got into problems about spiritual gifts. They believed certain types of spiritual gifts were uh, more holy than others, and you could, which, by which gift you had, you could frown upon the other believers. Paul had to go off writing letters to this church about the Lord's Supper. They were getting drunk at their Lord's Supper. I mean, you were coming to church, and everything but worship was occurring. It was immorality all around at the church in Corinth. But so what he's trying to do is he's trying to teach them on his second letter there that, guys, you here, you are, a, you are away from the Lord when you are at home in the body. 
Meaning, right now, we are not with the Lord. Now, God's Holy Spirit is with us, and He is here tonight. He is in this church. God's blessing our church. I'm not going to call the name, but there was someone in our church. Folks, this is an answer to prayer. Someone, who's here tonight, came up to me after Wednesday night Bible study. I bet it was what? December, January. And said, Pastor, will you pray for my friend? I'm inviting her to church. She's not church. We prayed together for her. We lifted her name up to the Lord. I didn't know who the lady was. Had no idea. Next week, she said, keep praying, Pastor. I'm trying to invite her. You know, in a lot of times, it takes several, several times for someone to come to church. First invite, you know, there, it's the courteous no. Folks, we've been praying and inviting. Our faithful friend here tonight has been inviting this person. At our 11.15 service this morning, they came. First time ever. Unchurched. Who knows how long it had been. Years, decades since they've been to church. That is an answer to prayer. And it didn't happen. I want to tell you something. That first invite, that first prayer, it's the perseverance of constantly praying for that person faithfully. I want to tell you something else that's an answer to prayer. Right now, you might notice Miss Osmond is not here. And our second through fifth graders, there aren't any of those people here right now. Do you know why? Because they're having a Sunday school party right now at Sky Zone. Well, again, I can't call the names because we're online live. But there was, there's a family. And this family is actually in, remember three years ago we did Who's My One? Where we identified one person to pray for? Well, Who's My One is someone that lives in our neighborhood. And they're just good folks. They're just unchurched. Man's a firefighter. Wonderful family. Three or four kids. They just, they don't go to church. The little boy, through an invite, is tonight at, um, at the, the Sky Zone. That's step one, right there. They do not come to church. They've never been to a worship service here. But I want to tell you, that young man, that little second through fifth grader, will come to an event such as Sky Zone, that side door, getting to know some other parents, getting to know some other children, that will be a step Maybe then, maybe they'll come to VBS this summer. You never know. Little things like that, the Lord uses to ultimately respond to the gospel. But I want to tell you, it is not going to occur without us being faithful and diligent in not just a few weeks, but in many ways, months and years praying for spiritual breakthrough. That who's my one? That was three years ago. That man still hasn't come to church. Family still hasn't come. They're lost, spiritually lost. I've even spoke to them about the Lord. They're, just, they're not interested. He changes the conversation. But they like, they, they want their kids to be around other, other children and do fun things. And that's an opportunity for ministry, even going on right now as we're in here. The Bible tells us we have this confidence. That even though we are away from the Lord, even though the Lord is in heaven and we are down here on earth, we, we, are, we are present with Him. And we know ultimately this is not our home. This is not where we, we, we invest our treasure. And remember the great story that Jesus told? 
He said, the kingdom of heaven is like the man who gets a treasure. And what does he do? He buries it in some land. He knows if you have a treasure and you were to pull it out, people found out this man found treasure, we found, have to find the rightful owner. So he takes the treasure, reburies it in the ground, then goes and buys, buys that plot of land, knowing if I legally own the land, that's my treasure. So he went and paid whatever amount for the land, so he then could be right, the rightful owner of that treasure. That ownership, that treasure of heaven is what we long for. Earth is great and we love our life. But our home is in heaven. And the Bible tells us here, we have a confidence that while we're here, this is not our final home. Alright, next Bible verse we're going to look at. Verse 7. Now look at this. This is all about walking. Okay, you can't sum up our lives better than this. For we walk by faith, not by sight. I want to tell you all something. Sight is deceptive. It's deceptive. Sight, it's easy to come to church and look around and see empty pews. Come to Sunday school and see open seats. Go to, um, maybe, um, I don't know, go to a sporting event. Go to Rupp Arena, and you look around and go, man, I remember the days when Rupp Arena used to always sell out. There was always big crowds there. You can never find a seat. Our sight is deceptive. Meaning, if we aren't careful, we will allow our sight, what we see, impact how we're going to feel and respond to a situation. When the truth is, the Bible tells us here, we aren't to walk that way. Listen, you can, Jesus said, if two or three people come to me or in my presence, there I am with you. You get two or three believers together, the presence of the Lord is there. Two or three people can transform anything any church bring revival how they do it because they've got the lord numbers are deceitful what we see out there isn't always the truth just because a lot of people might be somewhere or a lot of people might be going to one school or a lot of good recruits i mean for example i'll give you all example. right now as we speak do you know there is a basketball team playing called St. Mary's? Don't look at your phone at the score. Okay, so you're right. I don't even know the team. St. Peter's. So I don't even know what. There is a St. Mary's. They played UK this year. I think that was one of the games I went to. I went to four game, three or four games this year. I went to St. Mary's. St. Peter's is playing. St. Peter's is at number 15 seed. And I was reading about this. This is a Catholic school in New Jersey. Their highest, you know how they give little stars by each player, like a five stars, the best, four stars, second best. Their highest star players are two stars. Which, I mean, that's nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's a good, still, it's two-star basketball players, still good. They might not be at UK's level, but they're still a good college basketball player. And you look at, they made 
the NCAA tournament, which that right there is a huge accomplishment to be in the NCAA tournament. Now they were a number 15 seed. So you would look at this team and think, man, that's a number 15 seed. They've got a bunch of two-star players. They likely aren't going to go very deep. Folks, if they win tonight as we preach up here, they will be in the final four. As it, now, look, looking at sight, that is not supposed to happen. Two-star players on 15 seeds on paper don't look good. So I think what we see now, obviously, I don't think God's in the business of trying to get certain teams to try to win the NCAA tournament. I know some UK fans would disagree, but the truth is what we see here, God is telling us with spiritual eyes, we need to be aware that what we see should not affect our walk. Numbers are deceitful. The Spirit of the Lord, you find one or two people who are on fire and who are passionate from God, who have a prayer life of fervency for the Lord, that will transform anyone. That will bring revival. And this Bible verse here is saying, for we walk by faith, not by sight. We're not, we don't live this carnal way. It's easy to say, well, it's spring break week. We don't go to church on spring break. This, this, uh, it's easy to say, well, if, if a lot of my friends aren't going to be there, and the people I don't associate, I'm not going to go to that Sunday school class. I'll take this week. No. That could be the time you receive the blessing from the Lord. I have learned, it's always, for me personally, it's always the biggest blessings I ever get are the least expected ones. For example, Easter's coming up in three weeks. I will prepare a sermon that for that morning. We'll probably have our largest crowd of the year. But do you know that's one of, in many ways, David, I don't want to say, I hate to use the word a letdown, but I over-prepare for that. I spend too much time over-analyzing what's going to happen. When in many ways, the greatest blessings, the greatest services, are just a regular Sunday where you trust the Lord, you prepare your message, you trust it to God, and you allow Him to speak through you. And I want to tell you, if we start living that way, it transforms your walk. That is what it means to walk by faith. Saying, God, I, don't, I can't control the outcome. Sight is deceitful. And that's what verse 7 is teaching us. Keep going here in your Bibles. In fact, we are confident and we would pre prefer to be away from the body and at home to the Lord. The, the Bible's saying here, you know what? We all would like to be at home with the Lord, but we're not. We're even confident. So look at this. I have it up here on the screen. When we walk by faith, we have a confidence. Here's what it looks like today. These are things that we can experience here on earth that in heaven we will not have to experience and we won't get to experience. I think we have it here. Number one is healing. Do you know in heaven there won't be any healings going on? Do you know why? You will be healed. You will experience the presence and the touch of the Lord. When I was in third grade, my parents are here on the second row, I received glasses. This is likely the last time 
I've been preaching since 1999 that I will wear contact lens preaching a sermon. Say, why is that, Pastor? Because on Thursday at 7.55 a.m., tomorrow, or not tomorrow, Thursday this week, I will be across the street at Commonwealth Eye Center having LASIK surgery. The amount, I figured it out, the amount of money I spend on glasses and contacts, it will pay for itself in like eight years. And the eye doctor told me, I only have to wear reading glasses. They make these things now, eye drops. Listen to this, David. You put eye drops in your eyes, and that actually serves as reading glasses. This is amazing technology. So we'll see if that's true. Watch me in a month from now, I'll still be wearing glasses and contacts. But that's, that's their promise. I want to tell you that. When I go to heaven, I will have 20-20 vision or better. Because we don't experience healing in heaven. We go to heaven and we are healed. Crippled people walk. The blind see. Heaven is restoration of the Garden of Eden. Cancer is no more. But here on earth, we have to go through challenges. We have to go through difficult times that force us to rely upon the Lord. I want to tell you, you're going through a journey right now. You might be in a season right now, and the Lord is wanting to know you're in this valley. Are you going to turn to me? Are you going to be dependent upon me? And that, that dependence looks like trusting God for a healing. That is something. When we walk by faith, we believe the Lord can heal. Not only that, walking by faith, witnessing. We won't be doing any witnessing in heaven because only saved people are there. If you are not saved, you need to get saved tonight so you have assurance that you are going to be at home with the Lord. We won't be, there won't be soul winning classes going on. There won't be deacon visitation with the pastor like I do on Mondays and go out and visit folks and, and plead with them to turn to the Lord. I did that this past Monday and was rejected, by the way. Wasn't interested. I want to tell you, but that doesn't mean. Just because of rejection this week doesn't mean it ends. You're constantly praying and lifting up those requests to the Lord. No yesterday doesn't mean no next month. And number three, when we get to heaven, we actually won't have any confidence. So what do you mean, Pastor, no confidence? We will see with our eyes. Confident, confidence exists because we walk by faith. When we are standing before God, we won't have to be confident that He's the Lord. We will know firsthand that is the Lord. That is Jesus. That is God's Spirit right there. We will know for a fact. Confidence is what we use and we rely upon. We are confident this is the Word of God. We are confident that people are saved only by the Son of God, by Jesus. We are confident that the tomb is empty. We are confident that we walk by faith, not by sight. We are confident, like we talked about this morning, that a Y chromosome in the DNA of a person makes that person a male. That's confidence. That's how we know between a male and a female. You can do a DNA test and find out. And the Bible's teaching us here that yes, we would prefer to be at home with the Lord, but God has us here on earth now to have a rock-solid confidence in Him. Keep going here in your Bibles. Verse 9. Won't you follow along? Therefore, whether we are home or away, 
we make it our aim to please Him. Meaning, whether you are at home or you are away, and right now we're away. At home means you're at heaven. You're away. If you're saved, you're away from home. Your home is not here on earth. But wherever you're at, your goal, your aim, your purpose is to please God. This is what this morning's sermon was about. Not my will, God. Not what I want to do. When Jesus was wrestling, when He was struggling about in the Garden of Gethsemane, about to go to the cross. Lord, not what I, not what I want, but Lord, what You will, what You want. And that is how we live our life. That is a life of faith. A life that pleases God. I want to tell you, there's always a temptation to be a people pleaser. Trying to please other people. And what that does, that actually removes your aim for the Lord and focuses it on other people and other things. Our sole purpose is to please God. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Every single one of us is going to pass away unless Jesus comes back. We're going to pass away and we will stand before God. Do you know, one of the sad things I do, and David, I'm sure you do this. Y'all know I was, uh, five and a half years ago, we left Georgia and came here. And I knew a lot of folks down there because I was there nearly 12 years. And I remember, David, back when I was much younger in my 20s, people would read the obituaries. From about once a month, every other month, I go to the local funeral homes there in Noonan, Georgia, and I read the online obituaries. Do you know why? Because I know those people. I want to see who passed away. And I read the names. And I look at those names, and I thought, I knew him. I baptized him. They were members of our church. I knew their kids. And what happens for us is we have to remember, one day, folks, we will be in the obituaries. Our name will be listed. You're curious. No matter where you are, you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. We give an account for our life. We will stand before the Lord, and it says the good and the bad, He's going to ask about it. This is why it is so important that you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because you will give an account before the Lord, and if you are not saved, if you have not received Jesus as your personal Savior, he will look at you and say, condemned. And from that point on, you will then go to hell. And I want to tell you, the devil doesn't take you to hell. God cast lost people, people who are spiritually dead, into hell. Those that have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus are called saved. They're saved from their sins, and they go to heaven. That verse reminds us about the coming judgment seat of Christ. The book of Philippians says every knee will bow. Even a lost person, when they're being cast off in hell, they will drop their knees and acknowledge, even here on earth, if they've mocked Jesus all their years, 
It doesn't matter. When they're in heaven and they're standing before the Lord, they will acknowledge Jesus is Lord. Jesus is, he, he is, he is God. Therefore, since we know the fear of the Lord, we try to persuade people. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is plain to your consciences. What we are is plain to God. We try to persuade. Do you know what this Bible verse means? This means everything we do, we're trying to persuade people to Jesus. Folks, that's the business we're in right now, right now. As I preach, we have a youth group down there doing, Zach is doing discipleship with a group of teenagers. Right now we have um, uh, second through fifth graders. They're over there meeting uh, at Sky Zone as an opportunity for folks, young, young children to connect with other kids and the parents to talk to each other and get to know each other. Folks, we have dinner. That's not, yes, dinner's good, but it's also, it's, it's easier to come to church when they feed you. Especially when it's only six bucks. Y'all know, we got to lose money. With inflation, that's the cheapest meal. $15 for a family. Chick-fil-A's gotten so expensive. I can't even eat by myself at Chick-fil-A for $15. We pay our whole family, all six of us there. That's the best value in the city, what we have going on Wednesday nights here. But everything we do is persuasive to one thing. This past week, David had over 150 senior adults on Thursday for lunch, learning and singing to the Lord. And the Bible's telling us what we're trying to do is it's very plain. It uses the word plain to God. There's no secret. This isn't a bait and switch place. You come here, we will gladly tell you what we believe and we'll give you a piece of candy while we're doing it to make it easy for you to hear about the Lord. And you do that with a clear conscience. Bait and switch would be if I tell you one thing, you show up and you don't, that, that's totally, totally not what happened at all. And the Bible's telling us in our personal lives, we need to be persuasive in how we communicate the gospel with other folks. Maybe you have some family. I want to tell you how to do this. Maybe you have some family. You know, one of the th tragic things that happens, a lot of times when family comes in out of town, and spring break, Easter, that's the time, they come in town for maybe a birthday or they're traveling, it's easy to say, oh, I've got family in town, we're not going uh, to go to church, we're not going to do this. No, that's the time you want to bring to church. Maybe they're unchurched family members. You go to church, then you go out to eat afterwards. You build it in with what you're doing. You come to Sunday night church, then you go out to dinner afterwards. That's what it means to be so persuasive. You bring your grandkids to Sunday school and worship, then you take them out. You bring them to youth group, and then you go get ice cream during the summer when it's nice and hot, waiting for the summer to arrive. That's what it means to be persuasive. They're coming here, learning about the Lord, and they, of course they're going to want to eat and have ice cream. You're helping make that experience possible. That's, this is why... We offer nursery, child care, so parents can come, drop their children off the children's church and come to church. They're not having to worry about their children. Any and everything we do here at Broadway, and we are blessed to be at a church that has this. One of the great blessings we have is our senior adult ministry. Maybe you know of someone, maybe it's happened to you, that your husband and your wife 
has passed away. It's gone to be with the Lord. If that happens, you want to make sure. If I was, if I was married to Sherry, I am married to Sherry David, if I was married to Sherry, and I passed away, I would want to make sure my family is connected in a strong church so that there, there is ministry going on for your, while I'm in heaven, they're still coming to church, coming to senior adult ministry, coming with a group of friends that they can connect with. Folks, that is why we do what we do. It's persuasive. Everything we do is to point people to Jesus. And we're very open about it. There's no secrets. Verse 12, we are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you an opportunity to be proud of us so that you may have a reply for those who take pride in outward appearance rather than in the heart. Look at this. For if we are out of our mind, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. Paul is writing, says, guys, if I'm out of my mind, if you view me as crazy or you view me as nutty, I'm only doing that for the Lord. My, I want you to see how passionate I am. I want people to, to go, when I'm in heaven, I want people to think about that man loved the Lord. He was passionate. He wanted to see the gospel advance. He wanted to see people saved. He wanted to see lives transformed. Look at this, for verse 14. For the love of Christ, look at this, compels us. We're compelled to do this. Why do we pray for lost people? Why do we want to see people saved? Why do we boldly come and worship? We are compelled. What we are doing right now is 20 times more important than anything else you could be doing. This is the Lord's Day, Sunday, the day Jesus was resurrected, and you have come into His house to worship Him. What on earth else matters? What on else could be more important? This message that God is giving you of walking by faith not by sight, will take you this entire week. And, and, and realize as God, I can't believe and live by everything I see. I listened to the news, sadly. And I heard on the news this week that 40% of the stuff posted on Facebook is fake. That means if you look at 10 posts, four of them aren't even right. Like, it's just fake news. Stuff's, what we think is news, it's not even accurate news. If we aren't careful, we could be living a lie, thinking something is true, and it's just not true. And God doesn't want us to live that way. We're not to live a fake news life. That's not... We, we live for the Lord. Paul's saying here, if you're going to be out of your mind, if you're going to do some fake news, you need to make sure it's for Jesus. You make sure your passion is for Him. He says, if I'm, if I'm out of my mind, it's for God. If we're in our right mind, it's for you. Meaning, I'm, I'm persuasive in pointing you to Jesus. For the love of Christ compels us. And we've reached this conclusion that one died for all and therefore all died. And, and He died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, that's a message for today. That is the message of selfishness. Do you know anybody that lives for themselves? 
Do you know any selfish people? But for the one who died for them and was raised. This evening, we're about to turn one final scripture, but I want to ask you, tonight, do you live for the Lord? Do you look at that verse and think, I, I, I have died to myself. I no longer live a selfish life thinking I'm doing the things that I want to do. I heard a story this week. Y'all know I'm, I, I follow pastors and I, I listen to podcasts all the time and the good and the bad. And this week I was listening to a story of basically a man repenting of something he did. And it was a, he was a fellow pastor and um, his off day was on Friday. And he had someone come to him and said they were struggling with suicidal thoughts. They were wrestling with this, and they just wanted to make an appointment to speak to him. And he was his, and his excuse, so to say, was he's tired, he's exhausted, he didn't want to go in. So he, says, he said, sir, um, what, what if we make an appointment for next week? Look, I am just, I am exhausted. There's a lot going on. There's a million and one things to do. What if we make an appointment for next week? So that man, the suicidal man, next week never came. He did, he committed suicide. And that pastor had to repent of that and realize there's an urgency with some things. And God, I believe that sometimes in our life, now there's some things some things can be put off. Budget, money things, uh, meetings that are about uh, stuff. But there are some things in our life, when it's life or death, or it's salvation, someone needs to get saved, you need to share the gospel with someone, someone is about to pass away, and there's an immediate urgency. That's one of those things. We have to be aware and sensitive to this that when you are talking to an unchurched, lost person this week, you have open eyes, and you know that person isn't saved, and you know you're not going to have a lot of other opportunities to talk to them about the Lord. And I want to tell you, Easter is a perfect time to talk to people about the Lord. You have to take advantage of that chance. Because Jesus here, he will be standing, that, that person will be standing in front of Jesus giving the account for their life. And those missed opportunities of selfishness when we're just tired, we don't want to be like the disciples where Jesus is asking in the Garden of Gethsemane for one more hour and they couldn't do it. They couldn't stay awake. Flip in your Bibles here. Last scripture we're going to look at. 1 John chapter 5, verse 13 through 15. This is our last scripture for this evening about walking with God. And this scripture is going to let us know about what it's like to have this confidence in the Lord answering our prayer. Because one of the great results of walking with God is God hears and answers our prayer. It says here in 1 John, now this is uh, towards the end of your Bible, and this is the last few verses of the book of 1 John. It says in verse 13, this is why we have the Bible, and why it's important for us to study the Bible. I have written these things to you, who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. That one Bible verse actually tells us why we have the Bible. God gave us this book, these 66 books, 
so that we can have the assurance of being saved. So this evening, for example, do you know if you're saved? Is Jesus Christ your Lord of your life? I want to tell you, if you walk out of here tonight, because we'll end this service with an invitation to get saved. If you have never trusted Jesus as your Savior, you're not following what 1 John 5, 13 says. It says you need to know that you have eternal life. It should not be a question. should not be a missed opportunity with that. He goes on to say, verse 14 and 15, last two verses this evening. This is the confidence we have before Him. So that confidence means walking by faith. That's what confidence means. You can't see it. We don't see the Lord. God visually does not appear before you and say, go this way. Now, He will send preachers. He will send other people. He will send your family. He'll send radio preachers, TV preachers. They'll all point you to the Lord. The Bible will point you to the Lord. Gideons will point you to the Bible, which will then point you to the Lord. We have this confidence we have before Him. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. Remember this morning when I said the two prayer requests that will always get answered. You surrender your finances to the Lord. He actually says to test us in that area. And He will provide for you. He always does. And then you start praying for opportunities for personal evangelism. If you know a lost person who's not saved, that means you start praying for that opportunity for them to get saved and for you to share with them. God, I promise, will bring that lost person into your life so you can witness. Witnessing and money are guaranteed answers to prayer in the Bible. It says here, if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of Him. Meaning, we ask in God's will, in Jesus' name. We come to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want my will. Lord, I want Your will. I want to see this occur. I want to see revival. I want to see renewal. I want to experience healing. I want to see my children, my grandchildren, all of a sudden get saved and get involved in church. I tell you, we've got baptism coming up in two weeks. Who do you know that needs to be baptized? How exciting would it be to get baptized on Palm Sunday, right there around Easter? We can do that here. Are you praying for that person to get baptized? That's what he's saying here. If you know the need, you fervently Come to the Lord with us. So tonight we look at walking by faith. God is looking at you and I. And He's saying, are you, are you walking by sight? By what you see? The deception of our sight? The deception of what we read? Or are you walking by faith? Walking by faith means, Lord, I trust you. I don't always know why. I don't know what you're up to. But Lord, you have me here for a purpose. You've brought these people in my life. This is who my family is. This is who my wife, my, my boyfriend, my girlfriend, my husband is. And I am going to honor you with this marriage, with this relationship, with my children. Lord, I'm giving them to you. I ask you this, this evening, will you walk by faith? Will you have a walk with the Lord that's anticipating Him answering those prayers? So why don't we bow our heads? With every head bowed, 
and every eye closed. I want to give you an opportunity to get saved. That Bible verse we just read, 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, says we can have the assurance of eternal life. And I'm going to pray a prayer. Even the online folks are listening. I want you to pray along with me. This, this evening's no accident. God has brought you here with the purpose of hearing this message, of listening to this message, so you can get saved. You can experience the Lord. You want to get saved, you say this prayer. And the prayer doesn't save you, it's your heart that saves you. You are surrendering your heart, your life to the Lord. You're saying, Lord, I'm no longer living for myself. God, I'm living for you. Today will be the day of change. You pray this prayer silently. God can read your heart. Dear God, I am a sinner. I'm no longer going to live for myself. Lord, I'm living for you. I'm walking by faith, not by sight. Jesus, thank you for forgiving me. I'm yours. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want you to look up. The Bible says if you prayed that prayer and you meant it, you're giving your heart to Jesus. That's what it means to get saved. The Bible says you have assurance of eternal life. So the way we close our worship service is we have an, an opportunity for you making that public. If you got saved tonight, you want to get baptized in a couple weeks, we close every service. I will be standing down front. You walk forward and say, Pastor, I got saved tonight. So let's stand up. We're, David's going to lead us in our closing song here. Online folks, y'all send me a message on Facebook. Send me a, an email, and I'll be getting in touch with you this week. I'll be standing down front. You'd respond. I have decided.